0: Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Snacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and we made it to 2022. I am so excited for all the fun we're going to have this year. You know, they say how you ring in the new year is how you'll spend the rest of the year. And I'm not sure that I believe in that, but I was certainly scared enough by that threat to kick off the year with an incredibly wonderful, joyful, talented, and thought-provoking guest, Cree Miles. In addition to being a book influencer and my friend, Cree is the creative force behind Penguin Random House's Always Black, a social media account initiative that's all about uplifting Black literature. Today, we talk about Cree's favorite books, competitive energy, and so much more. It is a very good time. Our January book club pick is Passing by Nella Larson, and we will be discussing the book on Wednesday, January 26th with Cree Miles. If your New Year's resolutions involve supporting artists and creators you love, especially Black women, tracking your reading, connecting to more readers, or joining a book club, you should seriously join the Stacks Pack already. That is the Stacks community on Patreon that gives you inside access to the show, a monthly virtual book club, an incredibly detailed reading tracker, and it's the force behind the show. Without the Stacks Pack, I would not be able to make this show every single week. So if this sounds like you, head to patreon.com slash the Stacks. And really quick, I want to give a thank you and a shout out to our newest members of the Stacks Pack. Katie, Hannah Zive, Alexandra Navarro, Kayla Turner, Lucy Bernholtz, Evan Shagaya, Lori Shearer, and Nicolene Wilson. This is an independent podcast, which means without the support of listeners like everyone I just named and the rest of the Stacks pack, there would be no the Stacks. So thank you all so much. Head to patreon.com slash the Stacks to join. Okay, okay, okay. Now it's time for our very first episode of the year with Cree Miles. Okay, everybody. It's our first episode of a brand new year. I had to bring in one of my favorite humans on the face of the earth. Uh, it is Cree Miles. Cree, welcome to the Stacks. Tracy,
1: I cannot believe that I'm here. I'm so, ex- I'm so excited. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm so excited. Let me give you, I guess, for people who don't know who you are, why don't you sort of tell folks a little bit about yourself? Um, I didn't even give your like, work intro, so you should drop that in there too.
1: <laughs> I um I'm a bookstagrammer I'm a book influencer I mean I guess my claim to fame right now is that I run always black by and it's um a page that was created by Penguin random house to celebrate and uplift black literature so I'm like paid full time to get people to read black literature which is a privilege and I, I'm it's fun
0: yeah it's sort of like the dream I feel like
1: yeah but it really um You know, like when you are pushing so hard for something and then you get it, you have to kind of go back and remember that you were pushing because then like sometimes the dream feels like it's not a dream, but it's totally the dream.
0: Yeah, it's definitely the dream. But I get that. It's like you work really hard and then you're like, fuck, I'm here and they're annoying me about this little thing. And you have to remember that it's like a little thing in the grand scheme of the things that you wanted or like um,
1: the jobs i used to do like well right cuz you used
0: to be like a community organizer right
1: Woo! yeah in the trenches with so dog dynamics in nonprofits anybody who's worked in one you know it's absolutely it's so insane it's so everybody needs therapy
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> true Okay, we're going to back up a little bit because I actually don't know a lot about your like childhood life and I'm very curious. So Mm. when did you get into reading? Have you always been into reading or were you someone who came to it later in life? Was there someone in your family that inspired it? A teacher? Like sort of how did you become a person that cared about books enough to dedicate your life to it?
1: So as a kindergartner we were learning how to read i did not want to learn how to read okay and my parents were okay with that for some reason especially my mom my dad was irritated but my mom was like if she don't want to read fine but then she made me like learn sign language she was like you're gonna learn something so i would come home and have to watch these sign language videos and like would not participate in reading in kindergarten i don't even i have no idea what that was about and then in first grade i had planned on like continuing this trajectory. I was in like the low reading group because I couldn't read because I had decided not to read. And then this girl Emily in first grade getting all this attention from the teacher because she's reading at a fourth grade level. And I was like, Oh, well then I'm gonna learn how to read. So I like she had some babysitters club books and I was like, can I check out the babysitter's club books? And the teachers were like sis you can't read and I was like just give me the books and I like I like pounded through reading levels that year like pounded so that I could get at Emily's reading level so like within half the year I was in Emily's reading level and I was like everybody needs to learn how to read like Marie and I would look at Emily like yep they do like it was
0: just I'm crazy so but when you were in kindergarten and you were actively not learning how to read (laughs) were you secretly reading no
1: I wasn't I was not reading. Okay. I was relishing the fact that, like, my parents were reading signs while we we're driving. And I'm like, I have no idea what that means. And it feels peaceful. And it was, to be honest. Ignorance is oh, bliss.
0: I'm obsessed with this. Okay. So then you were like, <laughs> Emily, sorry, but I'm the queen of reading now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: And I still love Babysitter's Club to this day because of I have Emily. a
0: babysitter's tote bag that I got.
1: The, the branding is fire. The books were wonderful. And I, I love, I mean, thank you, Emily. I was just being a competitive dick, but you actually did introduce me to literature and I fell in love yeah. for real.
0: And you are a competitive person, right? I feel like that's why we like each other. Yeah.
1: It is. <laughs> it is. I really, I could, there are so many things that have driven me to this point in my career because- of competition that I can't even tell you while we're recording like it's it's crazy stuff so I
0: yeah I I mean the whole reason this podcast still exists is because I'm competitive and I'm a psychopath (laughs) like I really think that if I wasn't a competitive crazy person I would have stopped making the show probably within the first year oh yeah oh yeah right but now I'm like well let me see what I can do (laughs)
1: We're in it Uh, now that you guys have challenged me. Not that we're here. I might
0: as well just (laughs) like every time, you know, like you run, I used to run and I used to do this thing called hunting where I used to run in New York City. And what I would do is I would pick someone I could see like kind of far ahead of me running and I would keep running until I passed them. And so like I would like hunt people. Uh Uh-huh. And when I ran my half marathon and my marathon, (laughs) that's what I would do. Like when I would get tired, I'd pick someone like far ahead and I would hunt them. And that's what I did with podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's because life is just a long distance run.
0: Yeah. I just need, I need, I'm the kind of person, I need someone else to motivate me not to be like, you can do it, but I need someone else to be in front of me so that I can pass them because that yep. <laughs> motivates me. Yep. I cannot.
1: And I did not know this term haunting, Hunting. I, I made it up, it. I
0: think. I love
1: I, it. Can, we can apply that to a lot of things. I'm, I'm yeah. here for it.
0: And every time this is so mean, but every time like another book podcast or like book influencer person like quits, I'm like, yes, yeah. I pass them. Like I think <laughs> about it like hunting.
1: Yes. I love. Hey, that's. Real, oh, my God. Look relatable.
0: I know. I think also part of it. I'm like, I'm embarrassed to talk about it because I feel like in the publishing world, because it's so cutthroat in a lot of ways, it's like inappropriate to contribute to that. However, yeah. that's just how I am motivated. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like, I don't, I don't publicly like name people I'm hunting. Like, I never would say yeah. anything like that. And I, you know, like I have my own personal people that I'm like in my that mind are up down against
1: over here. Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I don't write them down because I am scared of a paper trail because I've read too many Nazi books.
1: <laughs> okay. I'm just like, if they find it after I'm dead, that is like wonderful fodder for it's mm. like the Octavia Butler paper. That's papers. true. Like you guys want to know how I really work. This is the good, the bad and the ugly.
0: Are you a big journaler?
1: Oh my God. Yes. I have like, I just looked at five full journals. So I write everything down and things have had to slow down a little bit because two year old and I Mm -hmm. saw that when my Mm -hmm. oldest was two, I saw huge gaps. But once they hit about four, I can go back to like, I keep track of everything, everything emotionally.
0: Wow. I don't journal. I've never journaled. I can never get into it. I just can't make it happen.
1: I have so many feelings, Tracy, like about every internet. My mom just left from breakfast and I need to write about it. Cause what was even happening? And I have so many feelings. This is all the time, all the time. I have. To, I, there has to be Pisces or something in my chart because I am so emotive.
0: I just don't. All I write down to do lists every single day, which is sort of a form of journaling. It captures like everything that is on my agenda. So you can like kind of. But get those a aren't your about, But I don't write down my feelings.
1: Yeah. What? Those aren't your feelings at all. I
0: don't feel. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't feel. I am. I don't feel I I
1: be. Oh, my God. No, <laughs> I feel that. I think that's my inner, like, that's my inner world. But my outer world is very much the the hunter. So I feel you.
0: Yeah, I, w- I wish I could journal. You
1: should just try. Yeah, you read Becoming. Just kind of do what Michelle did. Like, she just, because she doesn't really feel like a journaler. She was just trying it. And I mean, it
0: worked for a little bit. I just uh, I don't want another chore, to be honest.
1: I f- Hey, no. If it's about to feel like a chore, don't do it. I feel you. Don't.
0: We'll see. OK, this isn't about my journaling, but thank you for encouraging me. It's the new year. So I feel like this is an appropriate New Year's conversation.
1: Yes, it's a perfect resolution. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. OK, I want to know about what's a thing that you've discovered from working sort of in publishing, but not in publishing where you feel like people think it's one thing, but it's really like something different.
1: Well, one thing that I've definitely had an uptick in is people asking me how to get published. And Hmm. I have no idea how you would get I don't I work with the mark like marketing teams the people I work closest with is the creative team like shout out to Carly she's the creative director like that's who I work with and then I work with the social team so I am not in conversation or community with editors often at all and so y'all I don't know how to do that like I I have no idea
0: okay Good. people leave her alone is what she's trying to say. <laughs> Give her a break.
1: <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Cold email, Chris Jackson. Good
0: luck. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's Chris Jackson at penguin random. House. <laughs> actually, at that's not how House. it is. I think I know what it is, but <laughs> <laughs> Close it is. But yeah,
1: not me. It's not yeah. me. I don't know.
0: Okay. So what about being black working in publishing? Because we all know, you know, hashtag publishing so white. And especially because you don't actually like you're on a contract. You're like mm-hmm. a you're a consultant essentially, or like a contracted yeah. employee. So what's it like sort of being this outsider, being a black woman, working in publishing, like and you're creating your own thing and you're sort of like your own vision. How how have you found that experience? So
1: the hashtag, I have said this to my husband so many times because it's like it's so true. <laughs> like the hashtag is like <laughs> publishing so white oh my God, it's so white. Like I can't even, um, and that is sobering for me because I, I went to a predominantly white high school and then I went to the University of Kentucky, which is also a PWI, but the school is so large that you just find the pocket of black and you just, I mean, mm-hmm. you have to suffer through classes, but other than that, all of my social interactions were with black people. And I hadn't worked in a predominantly white environment since like almost 10 years ago. So that was low-key, like it's low-key kind of culture shocky, but also that's 10 years of like self-awareness and self-development. So it doesn't hit the same and like you kind of already know what to expect and you feel fine. A lot of times, like I can say one of my challenges that I'm, I'm trying to figure out like how to keep my brain going is with a lot of these bigger projects that I'm trying to execute. I just don't have like the thought partner that I would necessarily desire because Mm. sometimes I'm just the only black person in the room and everybody's on board and everybody's like excited and helpful, but like the nuanced black cultural, ne sais quoi I'm supposed to be bringing it just, it all falls on me sometimes, which is it can be a little daunting.
0: Right. And then you don't have someone to like bounce ideas off of or like to push you. So, how do you? I mean, let me say this a different way. For me, Mm -hmm. I know that when I'm like creating, because I do a lot of stuff alone, I have to figure out ways to like challenge myself and like push myself. Like, I might have an idea, but it's not fully there. How are you kind of like being your own creative partner?
1: I mean, I have the forever running list, like the note on my on my phone that just has all of my the wildest ideas the simplest ideas and when I feel when it feels too vacuumy that's when I talk to you or I talk to Reggie or like and I'm like (laughs) I like please I don't know like what where to take this and just watching the stuff that just like sparks the awe in me which like, is forever homecoming, Beyonce's homecoming. I watch mm. that when I'm just like, oh, mm. I can do anything. Um, this very crazy <laughs> niche specific um, performance, Brandy's 2016 performance of begging and pleading at the Black Girl Rocks show. And I watch that all the time <laughs> like, this was a perfect thing. So I just do stuff like that. And um, Audrey Lord's essay, transformation of silence into language and in action. I always am like, how can I turn this into action. How? Don't be afraid. Just do it. Mm. Take it half big. So those are kind of my go-tos when I need to try and figure out a way like push through the loneliness.
0: Right. Wow. That's like an incredible trio of references for yourself. (laughs) I really like that. Do you have a favorite moment in Homecoming?
1: Honestly, I watch that intro like it's a devotional. That was such a mm-hmm. crucial cinematic the moment. And this, the turn, and everybody spins out, and the fate. like, I just, it was perfect. And I always think of, mm-hmm. uh, remember the Titans, when we're like, none of us are individually perfect, but we right now are a perfect team, because our record is perfect. And I was like, <laughs> obviously, Beyonce's not perfect, but this was perfect. Like this was perfect. And I actually, a large part of me is always chasing perfect artistic moments. Like I'm always, like I want to deliver those in my lifetime.
0: Okay. But can I say something about Beyonce, a person that I love? Mm -hmm. My favorite moment in Homecoming is when she almost falls with Solange. It's the moment of not perfect because, and I feel very strongly about this, What made Michael Jackson so great and so perfect in my mind as a performer, not as a person, I understand, but Mm -hmm. as a performer, was that Mm -hmm. every time he stepped on the stage to perform his different songs that everyone knew every word and every nuance to, he did something different. He didn't always do it perfect, exactly the same. And Beyonce is perfect, exactly the same every time. Every riff is the same. Every hand clap, every giggle, everything. And so the moment where she's about to fall with Solange to me is it's thrilling. Like I literally watch it and I'm like, "Ah." and (laughs) and then I'm like, she left it in. She chose to leave it in. Someone knew that that was like her most human moment. So for me, that's the moment. Of homecoming that I love the most, which is basically the opposite of what you're saying. And I appreciate (laughs) the entire perfection of the whole thing. Like, I get it. I love it as a dancer, as an actress, as a live performer. Like, I appreciate her dedication, her drive, you know, her attention to detail, all of that. But for me, it's the Michael Jackson of it, which is like you have all of that and then you play. Then you find like the play in the thing every time.
1: And I honestly like, we and we don't have to go on a tangent, but I do think that is the difference between performers and musicians. Like mm. I love Anderson Pack's Tiny Desk concert. And I love that like I'm not completely sure if he had a set picked set list picked out when Mm. he got up on that stage to record because he's a musician. So it was a very human performance versus like when I watched Jadena's, there was like choreography and everyone knew the transitions to the next song. And because I'm not a musician, I just lean to performance, like just lean on the over preparation and know every single moment that's happening. That's the theater in me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But see, I just feel like the best performances are the ones where it's totally planned out and then the artist gets to like do their thing. You're right. The riffing within the work versus like there's also the other version where someone's like super sloppy and they're not prepared. And I despise that. Yeah. But like when I think of like actors, like I don't like Jennifer Lawrence because I think she's too refined. She's, She's trying too hard. She's showing me her work. I Mm. want an actor who's, like, totally prepared, knows all their lines, gets to set, does the whole thing, and then you can tell they're, like, fucking with the other actors, right? Like, you can tell that they're having a good time. Whereas Jennifer Lawrence, like, wants credit for for being there she's like I did it I practiced I studied like I'm an actor
1: I get you yeah did you watch the book club episode of Passing with Netflix because they said Ruth Negga. I
0: did not watch it yet Ruth
1: Negga was huge into like I'm doing something different Tessa are you ready let's go Like, <laughs> so I feel that that's crazy
0: well and because she comes from theater
1: yeah I love
0: that. I'm going to watch it before. So for people who are at home listening to this, we're doing Passing at the (gasps) end of the month for Book Club. And so I haven't watched it yet. Um, I'm going to reread the book, I think, one more time just because I had so many feelings and thoughts about it. But Ruth Negga is playing Lady Macbeth on Broadway opposite um, Daniel Craig uh, soon. I want to say previews start maybe in February or March with an opening in April, I believe. I'm like considering going to New York just to see it because Me too now. Yeah. Maybe we need to maybe we need to go to New York. Maybe we
1: need to go.
0: (laughs) Oh my
1: God. That's dope. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. But I believe that about Ruth Nega because she has that theater background, especially Shake because she has a history in classical theater. I feel like that's like a really common thing in classical theater is like classically trained actors are super prepared, married to the text, but then also have to find a way to like make it feel fresh and interesting. And I think that's why I'm drawn to that sort of performance style, um, which is, you know, none of this yeah. has anything to do with books, but it has to do with my heart. And there we are. <laughs>
1: yeah. Period. Because your heart yeah, matters. Matter,
0: okay? It's my show. So fuck you if you're annoyed.
1: <laughs> period. period. I love it.
0: Um, okay. Let's go back to you a little bit more about, about your reading life. You read widely. You don't read specifically only black authors. So I'm curious about this job that you took on where it's like, okay, we're going to uplift specifically and only black authors. Has that changed the way that you read? Has that brought you a different appreciation for black authors, authors who are not black? Like what has that done to you as a reader thinker?
1: Well, one, it's really limited my time to Mm. be able to read other stuff like I really wanted to read The Hobbit this year and I just didn't have time because I had to read books by black authors and so that like it's a part that I mourn but the part that I've discovered that I'm I'm slow to the game on is that the canon is like damn near being written right now Mm -hmm. and to be here while that's happening and to like have a, a little voice in it all is so humbling like I can't Mm -hmm. like I put down when I put down the prophets I was like damn this is canon and it came out this year. That's crazy like I don't even the how the word is passed is going to live forever and it Mm -hmm. came out this year like so that has been I really truly believe that we're in some type of renaissance right now, Mm -hmm. which thrills the fuck out of me I'm like I really get to be here and do this I came just in time because I have come to terms with like yes, I work hard as fuck I took a lot of chances. I was very strategic, but I'm also just lucky
0: two and
1: um look this is amazing you
0: know yeah (laughs) yeah yeah I definitely agree that we're in some sort of some sort of moment that maybe started a little bit ago but is really Mm -hmm. like I think like Jasmine Ward sort of maybe is like the beginning like 2005 maybe like sing unburied say no maybe maybe yeah maybe like two I was thinking more like 2010 ish okay yeah like, I mean, there are people who have been doing the work previous, but I just I'm thinking about, like, what are the books, the more recent books that I feel like are, you know, instant classics? Um, I don't know. But like, I think I mean, obviously, like a book like Heavy, which everyone knows I love, like that book's yeah. going to be here forever. Forever. Um, but I also think about like Long Division, you know, like that was 2013, I think. And so I wonder... If that's sort of like the beginning, because I think people, I mean, Robert will say this, like people who are writing these books now were reading, obviously our previous canons, but the contemporary canon, like those books have impact on them. So yeah, I definitely think that we're in a really cool, really cool moment.
1: And that added with the influencers, like, so Mm -hmm. Like the canon being written real time along with this, as Kiese has said, like this dedicated body of people who are going to mm-hmm. take the work and review it and spend time with it and celebrate it. This is crazy. This is really cool.
0: Yeah. It's super cool to get to be part of it, too. Like, I don't know. I think about my kids and I'm like, I'm going to get to be like, do you know who mommy knows? Mommy knows Jason Reynolds. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, it's it's a crazy thing. It's a I crazy love it thing. So like, much. it's it's just I don't I, as a person who loved books and like thought authors were cool forever. Like, it's crazy to get to know them not know them, but like to get to interact with them and engage with them and yeah. like learn from them in real time. Like, I, I'm I'm so excited about that. It's it's
1: really it's really a privilege and yeah and like you said because i said my whole spiel from first grade and then i fell in love and um (laughs) then i moved on to beverly cleary i'm a traditionalist all the way with children's books like i didn't really read there i went to a white school so i didn't there just wasn't a lot of access but i loved beverly cleary so much that i read i even read her autobiography in second grade so like it's i've always connected with the way authors operate and then like my first experience with libraries I realized that I am a person who is constantly feeling overstimulated by sensory and like when I Mm. walked into the library and learned that it was like preferred and required that everyone was quiet and you're just around (laughs) all of these ideas I was like this is how heaven is it gonna look like this is yeah so I love books. I love a the whole a culture. quiet place to read. Right. The heaven is just going to be a quiet place to read with room service mm. for food. That's it.
0: And lots of tea. Lots of varietals. <laughs> oh of my tea gosh. for
1: me. And really beautiful cups. I'm all about yes. the aesthetic. Like I need different I like cup. tea cups and stuff. Mm. Yeah. It's going to mm. be perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. I love can't wait to get there. Hopefully I don't <laughs> fuck myself over and I end up in hell with just <laughs> loud people, horrible books and like. Solo cops. Right. Because if if
1: hell is the hell that we think it is, it's not going to actually be fun. It's literally going to just be white men. And I can't. That's not going to. I'm going to be like, what did I do wrong?
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that you're like, you were a traditionalist, like with Kidlit, like growing up because of where you were and everything. I feel that way about, about a lot of the books that I love, not so much children's books, but like I love a lot of books by white men because I really like investigative journalism. And like, one of the things that's been interesting about this show and and reading kind of in a public way is, like, I get super embarrassed about that. Like, yeah. I feel like it makes me, like, less black or something, which I know is not true. Yeah. But I do feel that way. Yeah. Um. And so I always have to really balance my... What I like to read with what I think I should be reading, with what I want to be reading. Because, like, the books I always want to talk about are not the books written by white men. Yeah. You know, and like, yeah. that's why this show doesn't have that many white men on the show because I'm just not interested in talking to those authors or talking about those books. Yeah. But I still read them. Yeah. You know, and like, it's such an interesting thing, which is sort of why I was asking you what it's le- like, how it's changed your reading to be reading exclusively Black authors for work. Yeah. Because, Like, you know, I track every single book that I've read since 2016. And to see the way that, you know, the number, the percentages of, like, ethnicity has changed over the last five years is, like, really... It's it's a weird thing to see. Yeah. I didn't know a lot of these books existed and a lot of them didn't exist.
1: Right. And like, so that's my thing, because I always think about Jason mm-hmm. Reynolds quote about like he mm-hmm. writes for black children. He writes to black children, but he writes for everybody. And I was thinking like, damn, I really love Ramona in the past. Right. But I was like, Jason didn't exist when I was in second grade. So I, I mean, I really just had Beverly Cleary, who wasn't excellent children's writer as well like we're not like she just is white so yeah it does I feel you it gets really it gets tricky and like my entry point for poetry was Mary Oliver I love Mary Oliver Mm. because you know I just want to be outside all the time (laughs) and I just am it is I always just don't want it to feel like a performance Mm. and then you know we always carry the extra hassle of like white in book influencers just to get to be book influencers, but we always have to get pigeonholed into this like black. And right. then it's the extra juxtaposition because my energy source does come from Audrey Lord and Toni Morrison and Alice Walker and Zora Neale Hurston. Like I love them. I pray at their mm. altars, but I also really love Beverly Cleary. Like I really do. Right. So, right. and she was like, she informed my formative years. So I don't know. I just wish there would just... I wish everyone would just be okay with making space for that. (laughs) Like, why is it? Because I feel you. The the guilt is real. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Like, I feel like when there are people who are like, I only read Black authors, I'm like, oh, I'm a horrible person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I really do feel bad about myself. Yeah, I really
1: like... and. It's it's like some books that like Hills That I Will Die On, then you really are missing Ursula K. Le Guin. Like she was a baddie. So just don't do that. Just don't read sucky books. Read good ones. That's where they come from.
0: Right. And I think so much about like for me, again, like nonfiction and these like investigative journalism books. You know, part of the problem is like who are journalists? They're usually white people. Yeah. And like that's that can't. That can't be fixed. But it's like then I don't get to read Blood in the Water, which is like one of my all time favorite books. And it's about black and brown men. And it's written by a white woman. But like, I just don't get to read that book. Exactly. And I don't want to live in a world where I didn't get to read that book twice now because I, it's Because just of so identity incredible.
1: politics. Exactly. The identity politics that is thrust yeah. upon us because yeah. we're full people despite our blackness. And because of that, we get permission. We have permission We should give ourselves permission to read everything because our blackness isn't defined by literally anything. We're just black regardless.
0: We're black. Always, always black. (laughs) Boom. Plug Plug it. Follow the Instagram. (laughs) Um, Okay. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Okay, we're back from our break. I didn't prep you for this, but um, this is our Ask the Sack segment where someone has written in asking for a book recommendation. I'm going to read you their letter. Uh, I'm going to give them three recommendations and then you can give them one, two, three, whatever you want. Okay, Okay. This is from Sheila. Sheila says... I'm looking for a book in the speculative fiction genre or something that has elements of magical realism, something that feels escapist with a story that I can lose myself in, but that doesn't shy away from difficult topics. My favorite book is Never Let Me Go. And I've also really enjoyed Stories of Your Life and Others, The Removed and Legend Legendborn. Um, okay, so I'll give Sheila some recommendations while you think. OK, I already mentioned this one, but my first one is Long Division by KiSA Lehman. It's sort of speculative fictiony time travel. Uh, it's about young people. It's fun. It's actually like kind of a joyful read. And I really I was super intimidated to read it because I think KiSA is so smart and great. And I thought it was going to be like too smart and great for me. But it was like super approachable and lovely. And I had such a fun time. Yeah. Um. So that's one. Two is a classic. It's Kindred by Octavia E. Butler. Time Travel, Speculative Fiction also. I actually think these two books are super in conversation with each other, uh, Mm Long Division and Kindred. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my last one is not Escapist necessarily, but it is Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. It's a little heavy for the times because it's about a pandemic. I read it in 2018 before. And so when the pandemic started, I was extra scared because I was like, oh, I know how this goes. (laughs) We're all dead. And a few of us are reciting Shakespeare <laughs> on a RV pulled by horses. But like, so <laughs> it, it's a lot. It's heavy. I don't know if you can read it right now, if you're a person that like can't handle what's going on with COVID and Omicron and all of that. But it is a beautiful book. It's also now an HBO series. I'm watching it. I'm on episode four. I think there's going to be 10. Um, it's super different than the book. though.
1: I really need to get into station 11, it sounds like. Um, it's so
0: good it's so beautiful
1: i'm gonna do that okay my suggestions are wild seed by octavia butler um it the topics are are heavy but i feel like it happened so long ago like the setting is so long ago that you can kind of remove yourself because she doesn't like stay there all the time we're moving all the time demigods shapeshifters it's fun and then the second one is Ursula K. Le Guin's, the word for world is forest. It's short. It takes place on a different planet with some like beings that really give raccoon to me. Like, I don't (laughs) understand. I like every time I think about them, I think they're raccoons, but like beautiful social commentary on racial constructs and elitism and classism. And you will finish that in a day.
0: Okay. I've never read any Ursula K. Le Guin.
1: I, Dispossessed is ta- like one of my three favorite books of all time. It's, it's
0: brilliant. Okay. Well, that's a perfect place to start. Uh, two books you love, one book you hate.
1: <sighs> okay. So The Bluest Eye is the reason that I am on Bookstagram. And because I love it so much. And The Dispossessed is another book that shaped... Like is the last book I read before I graduated college, and it just kind of informed the way that I was going to move around the world. And uh, I'm I'm so anti confrontation right now. <laughs> like the book that I hate is like a recent book, so I don't okay. want to say it because well, I really talk to. to the, I can't. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, a book that I hate though. Um, hmm. you know what? I actually had a really hard time with um Octavia Butler's Exogenesis series. It got through like the first book, half of the second one and
0: I don't get it. Okay. I've never read it.
1: Lilith, like Lilith's Brood and like they're on a ship and then people having sex with the aliens and I'm like, what is going on? Like, I, I don't get it.
0: Okay. What's the last great book you read? Definitely The Prophets. Okay. I haven't read it. I can't, I cannot read it. I'm, paralyzed by fear because i just know it's gonna be too heavy for me and i got it in 2020 they sent it to me early (laughs) and i have been saying that i would read it since then and i was like i'm gonna finish this book before the year ends i have to and i just i cannot pick it up i cannot
1: i tracy i was like i'm walking through the house crying and Ethan is like, "Oh, you're reading The Prophets." I was like, "Yeah, like while well, I'm doing the dishes." And Then like I'm sitting on the bed, the couch, and Brian comes home from work, and I just go off on a tangent <laughs> because Robert never gives you a break. Like Beloved, it took place after they were on the plantation, so we have to go back sometimes. But then at least you get to like go to present day where it's not happening, mm. and like, um. The, the Water Dancer, we were on that plantation in Virginia, but everybody loved um, the protagonist because he was gifted. And we only had that one scene we had to get through. But Robert never takes you off the plantation. You're there mm. every day for everything.
0: It's too much. I just have to read it. It's like it's one of the few books that I want to read so badly and cannot do it. And, I don't, you know, I don't shy away. From. I know. I but know for, for some, I just really want to like it. And I just don't feel like I'm in a place where I can like it. And so I'm just waiting until I feel like I'm ready for you. I might have to like be on a vacation or something away from my children. Like, yeah. I, I just, I don't know that I can handle it. It's heavy. Um, Cause yeah, I don't, I also don't read a ton of books about slavery. I just, it's too fiction, much.
1: It's too I much.
0: Just, I'm not curious about fictitious versions of slavery.
1: I mean, that's honestly, I've only read the first chapter of how the word is passed. And we did all that deep dive into Monticello and George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, same difference. And I was like, after I finished that, I was like, I didn't really need to know the details of like, he owned people and was rich and was a white man like i that's i'm good i don't need to know there was 600 people i didn't need to know i don't care so i feel you like i didn't mm. i didn't need context
0: that's interesting. See, I'm the opposite. I'm super curious about slavery in nonfiction. But in mm-hmm. fiction, I'm just like, I don't need your fictionalized imagination of this horrible thing because I already know these horrible things. And like, I don't want you to make it more horrible because I know you're gonna because you chose to write a book about slavery. So you're going to make me feel horrible, even though I already know it's horrible. I'm like, I don't I just mm. it's I horrible. feel the same way about about fiction, about like the Holocaust. It's a no for me. Mm. I'm not interested. I
1: didn't know there was I didn't even know yeah, that, like that the was ta- a whole the genre. The
0: Tattooist of Auschwitz or whatever. <laughs> (laughs) You know, I'm just, I don't, I'm not, it's, it couldn't be me. Not gonna, I
1: I defend fiction around slavery from a black perspective just because we have so few of those. Um, but again, it's literally like every two years. So I read, I just read The Prophets, so I'm good until 2024.
0: Well, so there's a book coming out in 2022 called Yonder by Jabari Asim that's being compared Mm -hmm. to The Prophets Meets the Water Dancer. Um, and Deisha Filia told me to read it because she said it's great and the author's great. And so now I'm like, is this going to be my next slavery book that I'm too scared to read? And I put I'm off. I'm not religious. doing it. Well, I'll let you know. I, I think like, I'm going to try.
1: I'm going to tell them right now. I'm sure it's beautiful. And you will hear from me in 2025. <laughs> OK,
0: you just pushed it back an extra year. <laughs> you hear from me in 2030. First, you were like, I need two years. And then you were like, you'll hear from me in 2024. And I was like, well, that's a little extra. And then you were like 2025. And now I'm feeling like this Jabari Asim is not going to hear from you. I have a feeling. Rain <laughs> Sorry, check.
1: Jabari. But I w- I'm rooting for everybody Black, period. So you yeah. got this. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'll let you know. if I, it's, it's a little shorter than The Prophets, which is also giving me hope for myself. Yeah. Um, okay. What are you reading right now? And do you read multiple books at once?
1: I do read multiple books at once. I am reading How the Word is Passed, and there is this copy of Shorts by Tolstoy at my local library that Mm. Milwaukee Public Library, if you're listening to this, whenever you decide to sell this book because it is falling apart, call me first because I deserve the (laughs) copy of the book Um, because I've checked it out so many times. I love Leo Tolstoy so much. And I haven't read any of his novels. I just keep rereading these four. Um, no, what are they called? They're 100 Nobellas? page. No, it's like in Russian. It's like a povest, maybe. Oh. Like it's a it's a long, short story. Um, it. And given like the life that he lived, he has excellent commentary on family dynamics and relationships and everything.
0: I love it. Well, we read Anna Karenina on this podcast and I never have to read another one of his things ever again, to be honest.
1: You don't. You just have to get through one of them. And I don't know why I keep shying away from one. Well, because they're 3000 pages and yeah, I should have read Anna long. Karenina with y'all. I regret I it. To I tried day. to get
0: you to, but <sighs> the episode is there for you whenever you finish. Um, OK, how do you, a person who works in publishing, is on Bookstagram, is an avid reader, reads a ton. How do you decide how to pick your next book?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm an emotional reader. And actually, thanks to Always Black, I don't really have to keep track of anything because people are constantly pitching me
0: books Mm. to read.
1: So I just I give everybody the good 50. And then if I like it, I keep going. And if I don't, I don't. So that's that's really what's been driving my reading decision
0: since June. 50 pages, 50 percent.
1: 50 pages if i Sorry. if i don't love it within 50 pages then i'm not going to keep reading it
0: and you can and you don't have a problem putting things down
1: oh no <laughs> Depend i mean if somebody i love gives me a recommend somebody i trust gives me a recommendation then i'll keep pushing through because like this possessed starts off really slow but it's worth it but if no one has suggested it to me and it's just getting pitched to me then i i won't keep going
0: okay um Oh, wait, I forgot to ask you this. What are some books you're looking forward to, especially at the top of this year? What are What are some things you're excited <sighs> about?
1: So I've heard really good things about um, Cherish Farrah.
0: Mm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: So I'm really excited to read that. And then there's a book coming out, and it's sci-fi called Glory by... A Black woman, I think. A Black author. So I'm super excited for that. I just saw that Brandon Taylor finished the rewrite of his second novel, I Am Holding My Breath. I hope it comes out next year. I don't know. the. Like I, think I, it'll, yeah, I think it'll be 2023. Uh, well, I hope he gives us some shorts in the meantime or something. Oh! <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know, and then you know I fangirl over Tanahassi, and he like deleted his Instagram account, so I hope that means something's coming.
0: Oh, good, me too. I love him. I, he's yeah, he's a from my original dream list of this show. He's one of the few people left who's not an Obama or Oprah on that list. So, <sighs>
1: but damn near at this point, like he damn near is.
0: He is Obama I mean, and close. Oprah. I, I'm. I'm fully prepared for him and his people to tell me no, but I'm going to call everyone I know who's ever met him and beg until he gets here. So whenever yeah. you're ready, no rush. I'm not going to push it until the, whatever is next comes out, but then I'm going to yeah. be aggressively on it. On it, period.
1: Yeah, yeah you'll get him. That's
0: true. Um, are there any things you wish were different about your reading life?
1: I mean, honest, I don't know if this is the... Directly answers the question. But honestly, the two year old, (laughs) it's just so hard to like read with a two year old around. And like, I know it's my job and I love reading and I want to do it. But then I also just kind of want to be fully present to hang out with Nat. And I'm always like half thinking about what I should be doing when I'm doing the other Mm. thing. Yeah. So it'll be easier once he's a little older, I think, for me to just, and like in school.
0: Yeah, I can relate. Uh, the two-year-old problem is a problem.
1: A problem? Yeah,
0: they're super annoying too. It's like, can you (sighs) do you not see that I'm trying to read this? Why are you sitting on me and trying to rip the pages out? Sitting
1: on me, (laughs) on me, or like whispering in my ear. Like now I'm not responding. So now you're, mama, I, egg, egg, peace. No. (laughs) So yeah, I get
0: it. My kids are not really talking yet that much. So I just get like screaming and like, and I'm like, what? Get away. And throwing, they throw things. I'm like, can you fucking not? They're psychotic. Anyway. Yeah, the throwing's real. The yeah. throwing, what? What? It's a rock. You're throwing yeah. it at me. It's endless. Yeah. No.
1: Yeah. No, you're not. Or at somebody's car on the street. That oh, has sure. happened. He's sure. just thrown a rock at somebody's car. I just. Uh, yeah, I, I feel
0: like the thing I wish was different about my reading life was that I made better choices two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding! My mom listens to the show and she's gonna be like, "I can't believe you said that about your children." <laughs> Sorry, mom. mom.
1: They know I love
0: them. We love yeah. them.
1: They're just a yeah,
0: lot. they're just annoying. Okay, do you have yeah. any favorite bookstores?
1: No, I'm a library bitch. Like I love the library, all okay. the libraries. I went, like, when I go to my grandma's house in Kosciuszko, I always go to the Kosciuszko Public Library. Our library in Milwaukee, our library system is beautiful, wonderful, and our central library is grand and marble, and I love it.
0: What's the last book that made you laugh? Black
1: Buck by Mateo mm. I And I listened to the audio.
0: The audio's so whew. good.
1: When, yo, when Jason was getting interviewed by that um woman on the corner and I don't give a beep a beep, a beep I was crying laughing in the gap because I was Christmas shopping.
0: That is a good that's a really good audiobook. One of my favorites of the year. Um, what's the last book that made you cry?
1: Prophets.
0: What a, <laughs> what's the last book that made you angry?
1: <clears throat> I mean Prophets and Black Book both made me mad for different reasons.
0: Okay. So
1: both of those. And the, how the word is passed has not made me mad yet, but I still have to get to the chapter about Angola. So I'll be mad soon.
0: I think that's your next chapter. Great. Can't wait. Yeah. And and the chapter on the Whitney Plantation is gonna make you mad. And the chapter on Blandford Cemetery is gonna make you mad. And the chapter on Wall Like every chapter is like kind of just like, okay, fuck you. Great. What's a book where you felt like you learned a lot? <sighs>
1: um Minor Feelings by Kathy Parkong. And um Undocumented Americans, which again, speaks to like boxing yourself into this tired identity politic mm-hmm. to read. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also like denying yourself other BIPOC folks. So yeah. like just read everything. But I learned so much reading those two books.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And with Undocumented Americans, the use, the play on form, the way she kind of played around with the form was super. Yes. Cool. I
1: yes. That. It was brilliant.
0: What's a book that brings you joy?
1: Any and Everything by Toni Morrison. I feel seen in ways that I don't even understand yet. Mm. Like, and it just feels, I I get, I have so much joy feeling that because I have felt so invisible, like Mm. the way that I would actually want to be seen for so long. So that, I mean, Toni, I think saved my life in some ways.
0: With that and your favorite of hers is The Bluest Eye
1: so far, yeah. Every like three people told me to read Paradise this year, mm-hmm. um, so that's just got to be my next read. But I've read Bluest Eye, Beloved, Tar Baby, Jazz, and Songs of Solomon.
0: Okay, are there any books you feel proud about having read?
1: Honestly, my flex right now feels very Ursula K. Le Guin, like, mm-hmm. I it shocks me. That, like, people don't necessarily know who she was or, like, how brilliant she was. And the fact that I have read a few T- Morrisons, a few Walkers, a few Hurstons, a few Butlers, it makes me feel well-read. Like, I feel like I can walk into any room. Yeah. And and I haven't read, like, I've never been able to get through a Faulkner short. But, like, I I feel like it's flexy enough. It's the, as far as white men go, it's the... um. The Russians. I read Tolstoy. I read um, Vladimir uh, Nabokov. Oh, just those two. But that's enough.
0: It's plenty Russian for me. Um, <laughs> what about any books that you are embarrassed that you've still not read?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just haven't read enough Baldwin.
0: Got like it. me too.
1: It's t- it's really shameful.
0: I struggle with Baldwin. I got to be honest. I feel like Morrison, I'm intimidated by both of them. Morrison, Mm -hmm. every time I pick one up is actually incredibly more readable than I think it's going to be. And every time I pick Mm -hmm. up Baldwin, especially the nonfiction, it's incredibly more difficult to read than I think it is. Like it takes a lot more of my brain power. Yeah. I I like
1: the quiet room. Yes. Like you can't have anything happening. Yeah. And I don't have that option.
0: Yeah. I really struggle. So I just sort of have stopped attempting. The fiction is is more readable for me, but the nonfiction of his is a lot. It's like really complicated, which really is saying more about me and not anything about him. It's just that like I don't have the brain brain space right now to do it. Um it's really
1: I, I I blame it on the timing in our lives, like I really yeah. do if we that's it, we'll do it, yeah,
0: eventually, yeah, I'll get there, yeah, um, okay, are there any books of favorite books that are problematic favorites of yours?
1: <sighs> not yet. I mean, because most of my favorite books are written by black women, and mm. we are just not we're perfect, <laughs> so like, I don't know. <laughs> Anything problematic. So I do not have all of my other art forms. I have tons of problematic faves. But with literature, I don't. That's fun. I didn't think Good about for you. that.
0: Thank you. Good for you. Congratulations. <laughs> You're alone on an island because I have a thousand problematic babes. Um is there any book that you think people might be surprised to know that you love?
1: Um I really am like no because they kind of know like I ride for Mary Oliver and I ride for Ursula K. Le Guin and anyone who knows me like anyway past like any like two levels in knows that I don't like ride one ship really hard got it is there a stupid book that I love oh I mean I love the coldest winter ever is that a surprise I read that at 14 and like no I feel
0: like everyone talks about that is that's a book people say is their problematic fave sometimes though
1: yeah, I just remembered that. And she has another this other book that I just read Sister Soldier, in eighth grade and it was um, No Disrespect. And each chapter was named after a man that she like was messing with or like whatever. And I loved that shit. I okay. wonder how much that informed my life because that was I should not have been reading that.
0: <laughs> everyone says they read it when they were young and they shouldn't have been reading it i never read it i never read it oh my god i also was like really at like a young age fucking with like hardcore non-fiction history shit like weird <laughs> just like always have like this shit like Are always super into it yeah just like that's what i was reading just adult books
1: tracy i was reading the bell jar and coldest Wonder ever like that was, I, mean, I was
0: I, that girl. I read some like kid stuff too. Like, and I read stuff for school, but like, I, I, I mean, I, I read like, I read Ragtime by E.L. Doctro as like a child, which is fiction, but like is very <laughs> historical. I don't know. I just, I, I, I've i always been more curious about nonfiction. And so I just didn't ever go off on any of that, like secretly sexy shit, which probably explains a lot about me.
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> that is so yeah I was just building wor- worlds together like I'm emo like Sylvia but I'm also a black girl so I'll get it crunk I'm both of these at the same time <laughs> don't ask questions
0: <laughs> okay you this is, I'm very curious about this and you can't say yourself even though I don't know that you would want to but who would you want to write the book of your life
1: oh no I would not want me to write that
0: um, well, some people want to write their memoir. I don't know.
1: Ew, no. I want to be a fictionalized character because I want the... Okay. I have been treating my life for the past six months like a performance. So I'm just performing okay. different characters. I don't even know who I actually am at this point. I'm just... All of <laughs> okay. these things Great. put together. Um, so huh. my instinct is Brandon Taylor. I need him to explode okay. those cringy moments with my mother-in-law um Chris you mm. can keep that in and um <laughs> I <laughs> and I just need someone who's going to nail it so like dot create my life is satirical like in so many levels okay. it's satirical and I need someone who can write the interworkings of the dynamic beautifully
0: got it um okay two more one is if you were a gonna teach high school what's a book you would assign
1: I can't do this because I was remember you saw that I was dogging grapes of wrath and ta was like this is a great book kids shouldn't get books assigned and like novels aren't meant to be read in high school and I was like hmm maybe you're right because I didn't really finish it so in my high school English class we wouldn't be reading anything. I would. I'd be a free read. Read what you want. Mom, wow,
0: that's right. You do homeschooling, so you're into that whole shit. <laughs> this this <laughs> tracks. This tracks.
1: Right, okay. I'm gonna have these kids read my book and then say they don't get it. I'm gonna get mad.
0: Well, that's when you're supposed to teach.
1: No, I would. Mean, they're <laughs> like, oh my god, Bluest diet is so dumb. That's when I get kicked out of school because I cussed out a kid.
0: That's fair. You're dumb,
1: and yeah. your mom probably. Yeah,
0: you and your dumbass mom. <laughs> I know your dumb mom wrote this paper for you and it's bad (laughs) and you're dumb. It's
1: terrible. Oh my god, yeah. So I don't need I don't need that job.
0: Uh, Okay, here's the last one. I stole it from the New York Times. If you could require the current president of the United States to read one book, what would it be?
1: Something about how to keep your fucking word. Like I don't know. Like what's a book about integrity? And like
0: The Four Agreements. a What's book the- we did on this very hair podcast.
1: And the other one, the al- the the alchemist? The is alchemist? Yeah, he needs yeah. some of that. Yeah. That should yes. Cuz I don't know what to do. I love it. I
0: love it. I love it. That's a, you're the first person to ever suggest the alchemist to the president, which I love. I a book I despise though. I hate. <gasps> That's a book I hate. Not
1: your eyebrows. It was the Oh my gosh, it's a book. Wait. That book is trash. Don't get it. <laughs>
0: i love that Uh, it's true i hate it i love it oh my god no that's see that's the shit people were reading when i was like in high school and in college and being like oh this is this is so profound and i was like this is why i'm reading about like hitler (laughs) because like i'm not interested in this bullshit and like i'm actually just really curious about how the world actually works and not like someone walking across a desert like trying to find their purpose or whatever. I'm like, that is an episode of Sesame Street. This oh, is, like, not it is. important to
1: me. It is. It is. Okay, but in my defense, I read it while I was at my terrible first job surrounded by white people.
0: No, it's fair. So you're, you're allowed to love it. So
1: i was looking for, like, self. And other
0: people are allowed to love it. But still. I just was like, wait, this... Is what all of you people are super.
1: I don't want people in college reading like new release bestsellers. That's when they're supposed to be reading backlist. So I, I would be offended.
0: Yeah. Well, I was reading. I read Gone with the Wind at that age. A book. My problematic. Babe.
1: What? Why did you read Gone with the Wind?
0: I love that movie so much. And I'd never read the book. And the book is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> I, I will. I will fight anyone. on. Well, I mean, look. I will not actually fight anyone on it because I know that I'm wrong and it's horrible and problematic or whatever, but it's one of the greatest books of all time. And I'm happy to have that conversation with anyone. And now I want
1: to read it. It's fin- It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Have you Look, read Uncle Tom's is, Cabot?
0: So yes, okay, that's a, that's a book I read at a very young age. Okay. Because I was in a production of the King and I, and you know, at the end of the King and I, the dance with yeah. the children. Yes. I was one of those dancing children. And so I read the book and I didn't really understand it, but I read it when I was like 11. Yeah. Okay. And it was boring. Yes. And I never went back. I haven't really read it as an adult. But again, you were reading Coldest Winter Ever and I was reading Uncle's Cabin. Like, I just, I I'm built different, you guys. <laughs>
1: reading bell jar i had i had a balance
0: that's right that's right you had you had range no i know but people Mm are always like oh you didn't read this children's book i'm like no i didn't because i was i didn't read uncle
1: tom's cabin i just i know some people are reading it right now and like picked it for their child to read and i'm just wondering like is there anything in it worth pulling out like you just said gone with the wind so i'm like okay i'd give it a chance tanahasi loved grapes of wrath i'm like oh i should go reread that so i'm wondering because, you know, Uncle Tom's Cabin is just racism, racism, racism. So yeah. like, do it. Am I going to harm myself? No,
0: I reading don't think it? I I don't think you need to read it. I don't know. I'm sure yeah. there are people who are smarter than me that say that you need to read it. But I just don't. I think there are people who do need to read it for the scholarship and the work that they do. But I don't know yeah. that you need to read it just to like know it. I wouldn't.
1: Right, that's how I feel, especially without a balance. Like if you're going to read that, also read like Kindred. Like do, but
0: no. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know that *Gone with the Wind* says anything new or is important any either, but it's a book that I love. Because I love the movie and I love the story, and it's, it's a Got hell it. of a book. I mean, it's yeah. a real fucking page turner. okay. but and again, the story. I also understand that it's like slavery propaganda. Yeah, the story, the characters, oh my God, Scarlett O'Hara, good luck. She you know who's a fucking who my life is modeled after Scarlett O'Hara. A hunter? A gatherer of Damn men. it!
1: Damn it! <laughs> oh, I forgot about the hunter. We that has to live forever.
0: Yeah, well, now everyone knows my secret that I'm a psychotic, competitive human who, if you're running, if you ever see me out on a run, just know I'm coming for that
1: ass. (laughs) I am also a psychotic, competitive human. I get it.
0: Yeah, that's why we like each other. Because we're both like, we don't have to apologize for being psychotic, competitive humans.
1: This is the truth. Oh, I love it.
0: This is it. All right, everybody. This is Cree. We're out of here. We are going to be back on January 26th. To Discuss Passing by Nella Larson. Ooh. It is a fantastic book. We are both going to have watched the movie by then also. Yep. So if you want to know a little bit more, have a little more context, you should just watch the movie too. Um, I haven't seen it. I can't say that it's great, but I've heard that Ruth Negga is giving a performance of a lifetime. Period. So I'm super excited. Um, the book is also short, everyone. I gave you a short book for the start of the year so you could get on the bandwagon. Cree, <gasps> thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks for having me, Tracy. This was a pleasure.
0: Yay. And everyone else, we will see you in the stacks.
1: Bye.
0: All right. That does it for us today. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you to Cree for being my guest. Remember, Cree will be back on January 6th for the Stacks Book Club discussion of Passing by Nella Larson. If you love the show and want inside access to it, head to patreon.com slash the Stacks to join the Stacks Pack. Make sure you're subscribed to the Stacks wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a rating and a review. For more from the Stacks, follow us on social media at the Stacks Pod on Instagram and at the Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter. And check out the website, thestackspodcast.com. Our editor is Christian Duenas. Our graphic designer is Robin McCright. And our theme music is from Tagirajas. The Stacks is created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas.